Chapter Thirteen of the Dashay Diamonds. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Dashay Diamonds by Richard Marsh. Chapter Thirteen: The Detective and the Lady. Mister Ireland marched into Makel's Hotel as if he owned the building. He created a sensation in the office. You know me. The clerk, who was a good-looking young gentleman with a curled moustache, eyed the speaker with somewhat supercilious curiosity. Mr. Ireland's manner was more suggestive of his importance than was his appearance. The clerk decided that he did not know him. He owned as much. "'I'm Inspector Ireland of the Criminal Investigation Department. I hold a warrant for the arrest of Cyril Paxton. He is stopping at your hotel.' i don't want to cause any more trouble than necessary my assistants are outside so perhaps you will tell me whereabouts in the house i am likely to find him the clerk looked the surprise which he felt mr paxton is out are you sure i will make inquiries if you wish it but i know that he is out i saw him go and as i have not left the office since he went if he had returned i could not have helped seeing him has he any property here? I will speak to the manager. The clerk turned as if to suit the action to the word. Reaching through the office window, Mr. Ireland caught him by the shoulder. All right, you send for him. I'll speak to him instead. The clerk eyed the detaining hand with an air of unconcealed disgust. Very good. Have the kindness to remove your hand. If you are a policeman, as you say you are, yours is not the kind of grasp which I care to have upon my shoulder. Hoity-toity! Don't injure yourself, young man. All I want is to have the first talk with the manager. Are you going to send for the manager, or am I? Here is the manager. As the clerk spoke, and before he had had time to properly smooth his ruffled plumes, the dignitary in question entered the office from an inner room. John Ireland accosted him. "'Are you the manager of this hotel, name of Treadwater?' "'I am Mr. Treadwater.' Ireland explained who he was and what he wanted. Mr. Treadwater was evidently even more surprised than the clerk had been. "'You have a warrant for the arrest of Cyril Paxton? "'Not our Mr. Paxton, surely.' "'I don't know about your Mr. Paxton, but it's the Mr. Paxton who's stopping here, so don't you make any mistake about it. I'm told he's out. One of my men will stay here till he returns. In the meantime I want to know if there's any property of his about the place. If there is, I want to have a look at it.' The manager considered. "'I don't wish to seem to doubt, Mr. Ireland, that you are what you say you are, or indeed anything at all that you have said.' but an effort has already been made once to-day to gain access, under what turned out to be false pretenses, to certain property which Mr. Paxton has committed to our keeping, and I am compelled to inform you that it is a rule of ours not, under any circumstances, to give up property which has been entrusted to us by our guests to strangers without a proper authority. Ireland smiled grimly. "'Where is there somewhere where I can speak to you in private?' I'll show you authority enough and to spare. The manager, having taken Mr. Ireland into the inner room, the detective lost no time in explaining the position. 
"'You're a sensible man, Mr. Treadwater. "'You don't want to have any bother in a place of this sort, "'and I don't want to make any more bother than I'm compelled. "'Mr. Paxton's wanted for a big thing, "'about as big a thing as I've ever been engaged in. "'I wasn't likely to come here without my proper credentials, hardly. "'Just you cast your eye over this.' Ireland unfolded a blue paper which he had taken from among a sheaf of other papers which were in the inner pocket of his coat, and held it up before the manager's face. "'That's a search warrant. If you're not satisfied with what you see of it, I'll read it to you, and that's all I'm bound to do. I've reason to believe that Cyril Paxton has certain stolen property in his possession here, in this hotel.' If you choose to give me facilities to examine any property he may have, well and good. If you don't choose, this warrant authorizes me to search the building. I'll call my men in, and I'll have it searched from attic to basement, every drawer and every box which the place contains, if it takes us all night to do it. Mr. Treadwater rubbed his hands together. He did not look pleased. I had no idea when I spoke that you were in possession of such a document. As you say, I certainly do not wish to have a bother. A search warrant is authority enough, even for me. All the property Mr. Paxton has in the hotel is in this room. I will show it to you. The manager moved to a door which seemed to have been let into the wall. This is our strong room. As you perceive, it is a letter-lock. Only one person, except myself, ever has the key to it. While he was speaking, he opened the door. He disappeared into the recess which the opening of the door disclosed. Presently he reappeared, carrying a gladstone in his hand. He laid the bag on the table in front of Mr. Ireland. That is all the property Mr. Paxton has in the hotel. How do you know? The manager smiled, the smile of superiority. "'My dear sir, it is part of my duty to know what every guest brings into the hotel. You can, if you like, go up to the room which he occupied last night, but you'll find nothing in it of Mr. Paxton's. All that he brought with him is contained in that Gladstone bag.' "'Then we'll see what's in it. I'm going to open it in your presence so that you'll be evidence to prove that I play no hanky-panky tricks.' Mr. Ireland did open it in the manager's presence, with, considering the absence of proper tools, a degree of dexterity which did him credit. But after all it appeared that there was nothing in it to adequately reward him for the trouble he had taken. The bag was filled chiefly with shirts and underclothing. Although every article seemed to be brand new, there was absolutely nothing which, correctly speaking, could be said to be of value. With total want of ceremony, the investigator turned the entire contents of the bag out upon the table, but though he did so, nothing in any way out of the common was discovered. Judging from the expression of his countenance, Mr. Ireland did not seem to be contented. "'Wasn't there an attempt at burglary here last night? One's been reported.' "'There was, for the first time in the history of the hotel.' An attempt was made from the street to gain admission through the window to Mr. Paxton's bedroom. And didn't you say that an attempt had been made today to gain access by means of false pretenses to Mr. Paxton's property? That is so. And didn't he ask you to keep that property safe in your strong room? He did. Well, 
doesn't it seem as if somebody was precious anxious to lay his hands upon that property and that mr paxton was equally anxious that he shouldn't precisely and yet you go and tell me that all the property he has is contained in that gladstone bag what is there that should make anyone go out of his way to take it you tell me that when the manager replied it was with an appreciable amount of hesitation i think that is a point on which i may be able to throw some light then throw it do i shouldn't be surprised if mr paxton took all that the bag contained which was of value up to london with him this morning and left it there indeed this evening before he went out he told me that that was what he had done mr ireland gave utterance to what coming from the mouth of any one but an inspector of police would have sounded like a string of execrations i suppose you've no idea what it was that he took with him or where it was he took it not the faintest notion mr treadwater this is another illustration of the fact that if you want a thing well done you must do it yourself this morning i set a man to shadow mr paxton i told him not to let him get out of his sight what does he do this utter idiot he sees our gentleman drop a ring my man he picks it up and he gets into such a state of excitement that he loses his head and tears straight off with it to me i'm not saying that he'd not chanced upon an important piece of evidence because he had but if he'd kept his wits about him and had his head screwed on straight he'd have had the ring and mr paxton too as it was that was the last he saw of mr paxton may i ask what it is you suspect mr paxton of having taken with him up to town unless i'm out of my reckoning mr paxton went up to town with the duchess of dashay's diamonds stowed away in his pockets the manager's face was a vivid note of exclamation no my dear sir i have been acquainted with mr paxton some considerable time i happen to know that he's a gentleman of position in the city you must surely be mistaken in supposing that he could be mixed up in such an affair as that it's incredible is it that's all right if you like you think so gentlemen of position in the city have had their fingers in some queer pies before to-day if you don't happen to know it i present you with the information gratis have you any idea of where he was going when he went out to-night i fancy that when he comes to brighton he comes to see a lady i rather took it for granted that as usual he was going to her what's her name and where does she live i don't know her name but i believe she lives in medina villas that you know is at west brighton medina villas ireland seemed to be turning something over in his mind he smiled i shouldn't be surprised if she does i'm inclined to think that one of my men has got his eye on her address if mr paxton's there he's nabbed but i'm afraid he isn't on this occasion i'm inclined to think that he had an appointment which he found to be slightly more pressing than that which he had with the lady ireland looked at the manager with what he probably intended for a look of frankness i don't mind owning that there are features about the case as it stands at present which are beyond my comprehension and i tell you i would give a good round sum to be able this moment to lay my finger on mr paxton so would i i'd give a great deal to be able to lay my finger on mr paxton with all my heart i would yes sir indeed i would 
each of the talkers had been too much interested in what the other had to say to notice that while they talked without invitation or any sort of announcement a procession the procession of three had entered the room the speaker was of course miss strong behind her gripping the handle of her parasol as it seemed a little nervously came miss wentworth mr franklin looking distinctly the most uncomfortable of the trio brought up the rear miss strong in front bore herself like a female paladin she held herself quite straight her shoulders were thrown well back her dainty head was gallantly poised upon her lovely neck she breathed the air of battle she might not have known it but seldom had she looked more charming the detective and the manager both looked at her askance she only looked at the detective are you john ireland i am though i have not the pleasure madam of knowing you i am daisy strong who am shortly to be cyril paxton's wife how dare you mr ireland so foully slander him mr ireland showed symptoms of being surprised he had an eye for a lady and still more perhaps for a pretty girl and by neither was he accustomed to being addressed in such a strain i trust madam that i have not slandered mr paxton you trust so do you mr franklin will you come forward please instead of hanging behind there in the shadow of miss wentworth's skirts as if you were afraid mr franklin thus addressed came forward looking however as if he would rather not you hear what this person says and yet you tell me he has slandered cyril paxton as foully as he could mr franklin shot a glance at mr ireland which was meant to be pregnant with meaning he showed a disposition to hum and to haw my dear miss strong i am sure you will find that mr ireland is not unreasonable his only desire is to do his duty miss strong stamped her foot upon the floor his duty to slander a gentleman in whose presence he is not worthy to stand because a man calls himself a policeman and by doubtful methods contrives to earn the money with which to keep himself alive is such a one entitled to fling mud at men of stainless honour and untarnished reputation and then to excuse himself by pretending that flinging mud is his duty if you mr franklin are afraid of a policeman merely because he's a policeman i assure you i am not and i take leave to tell mr ireland that there are policemen who are at least as much in want of being kept in order as any member of the criminal classes by any possibility could be mr ireland eyed the eloquent lady as if he were half puzzled half amused i understand your feelings madam and i admire your pluck in standing up for mr paxton again the lady stamped her foot i care nothing for your approval and it has nothing at all to do with the matter on hand the detective coughed apologetically perfectly true madam but i can't help it i assure you i always do admire a young woman who sticks up for her young man when he happens to find himself in a bit of a scrape but if you take my tip miss strong you'll leave us men to manage these sort of things you'll only do mr paxton harm by interfering you tell her mr franklin if what i say isn't true miss strong turned towards mr ireland cutting short the words on franklin's lips before they had a chance of getting themselves spoken do not refer to mr franklin on any matter which concerns me there is no connection between us 
Mr. Franklin and I are strangers. I am quite capable of taking care of myself. I even think that you may find me almost a match for you.' She turned to Treadwater. "'Is Mr. Paxton stopping in this hotel?' "'He stayed here last night, madam, and he has been here again this evening. At present he is out.' "'And what is this?' She motioned towards the open bag with its contents strewed upon the table. "'That is Mr. Paxton's. Mr. Ireland has forced it open.' Miss Strong turned towards Ireland, a veritable feminine fury. "'You wretched spy! You cowardly thief! To take advantage of a man's back being turned, to poke and pry among his private possessions, in order to gratify your curiosity! Is that the science of detection?' She transferred her attentions to the manager. "'And you, are those the lines on which your hotel is conducted, that you hand over, in their absence, the belongings of your guests to the tender mercies of such a man as this? If so, then your methods of management ought to be known more widely than they are. Decent people will then know what they have to expect when they trust themselves inside your doors.' Treadwater did not seem as if he altogether relished the fashion of the lady's speech. He began to make excuses. I protested against Mr. Ireland's action, but on his producing a search warrant I yielded to the pressure of necessity. The pressure of necessity? Do you call this the pressure of necessity? Miss Strong pointed a scornful finger at Mr. Ireland. Ostentatiously ignoring her, the detective addressed himself to the manager. "'I am going now, Mr. Treadwater. I'll leave one of my men behind me. If Mr. Paxton returns, he'll deal with him.' The lady interposed. "'What do you mean, he'll deal with him?' "'What do I mean? I mean that Mr. Paxton will be arrested as soon as he shows his nose inside the door.' "'And I'll tell you what, Miss Strong, if you were to use fewer hard words and were to do something to prove Mr. Paxton's innocence, instead of talking big about it, you might do him more good than you're likely to do by the way in which you've been going on up to now. I'll put these things together and take them with me.' By these things Mr. Ireland meant Mr. Paxton's. He moved towards the table. Miss Strong thrust herself between him and it. "'Don't touch them! Don't dare to touch them! Don't dare to touch Cyril's property! Do you suppose that because you're a policeman all the world can be cowed into suffering you to commit open robbery?' She clutched at the table with both her hands, glaring at him like some wildcat. Shrugging his shoulders, Ireland laughed, shortly, grimly. "'Very good, Miss Strong. There is nothing there which is of the slightest consequence in this particular case.' You are welcome to take them into your custody. Only remember, you assume the responsibility for their safekeeping. The man who forces open another man's portmanteau without the knowledge of its owner becomes, I fancy, at once responsible for its contents. And I promise you that if the slightest article is missing, you will be taught that even a policeman can be called to account. Without attempting to answer her, Ireland went towards the door, pausing as he went to whisper to Mr. Franklin, "'Why did you bring her with you? She'll only make bad worse.' Mr. Franklin shrugged his shoulders as the detective himself had done. "'I didn't bring her. She brought me.' Miss Strong's clear tones came after the detective. "'You set a man to spy on me, Mr. Ireland, and now I mean to spy on you.' 
We'll see if turn and turn about is not fair play, and if you dare to try to prevent my going exactly where I please. Still ignoring her, Ireland went into the hall. There he found Hollier in waiting. Any report, Hollier? Nothing material, sir. I followed Mr. Franklin to Medina Villas and back, but saw nothing to cause me to suppose that he was in communication with Mr. Paxton. You remain here until I relieve you. If Mr. Paxton returns, arrest him. Send for me if I am required. I will leave a man outside so that you can have help if it is needed. Ireland went through the hall and through the door, Miss Strong hard upon his heels. On the steps he turned and spoke to her. Now, Miss Strong, if you are wise, you'll go home and go to bed. You may do as you like about attempting to follow me, but I promise you I shall not permit you to dog my footsteps one moment longer than it suits my convenience. On that point you need be under no misapprehension. The detective strode away. Miss Strong was about to follow when Miss Wentworth caught her by the arm. Now, Daisy, be reasonable. You'll do no good by persisting. Let's go home. Loose my arm. Miss Wentworth loosed it. In less than a minute, Daisy had decreased the distance between Ireland and herself to half a dozen feet. Franklin and Miss Wentworth came after, splashing through the mud and the mist, somewhat disconsolately, a few paces in the rear. The cavalcade had gone perhaps fifty yards when a figure, dashing out of an entry they were passing, caught Ireland by the lapel of his sleeve. "'Governor, I want to speak to you.' The figure was that of a man, an undersized, half-grown, very shabby-looking man. The light was not bad enough to conceal so much. The collar of a ragged, dirty coat was turned up high about his neck, and an ancient billycock was crammed down upon his head. Stopping, Ireland turned and looked at him. "'You want to speak to me?' "'Yes, Mr. Ireland. Don't you know me?' know you suddenly ireland's arm went straight out from the shoulder and the stranger as if he had been a rat was gripped tightly by the neck yes bill cooper i do know you i've been looking for you some time there's something which i rather wish to say to you now what's your little game the man's voice became a whine the change was almost excusable when one considers how uncomfortable he must have been in the detective's grasp Daisy, who was standing within a yard, could hear distinctly every word that was uttered. "'Don't be nasty, Mr. Ireland. That ain't like you. I know you want me. That's all right. But if you take me without hearing what I've got to say, you'll be sorry all the same.' "'Sorry, shall I? How do you make that out?' "'Why, because I'll make your fortune for you, if you'll give me half a chance. Leastwise, I dare say it's made already, but I'll double it for you anyhow.' "'And pray, how do you propose to do that?' "'Why, I'll put you on to the biggest thing that ever you were put on to. "'You mean that you'll round on your comrades. I see. Is that it?' The stranger did not seem to altogether like the fashion in which Mr. Ireland summed up his intentions. "'You may call it what you please, but if I hadn't been used bad first of all myself, I wouldn't have said a word. Red-hot irons wouldn't have made me.' "'But when a chap's been used like I've been used, "'he feels like giving of a bit of it back again. "'That's fair enough, ain't it? "'Chuck the patter, Bill. "'Go on with what you have to say.' 
"'Look here, Mr. Ireland, you give me ten thickens, enough to take me to Merriker, and I'll go there, and I'll put you on to them as had something to do with them there Duchess of Dashay's diamonds what's been and got theirselves mislaid.' It was Daisy who answered. She seemed to speak in sudden and uncontrollable excitement. "'I don't know what ten thickens are, but if you do what you say I'll give you fifty pounds out of my own pocket.' The man regarded Miss Strong with an inquiring eye. "'I don't know you, miss. Mr. Ireland, who's the lady?' "'The lady's all right. She's a bit interested in the Dashay diamonds herself. If she says she'll give you fifty pounds, you'll get em. Only you've got to earn em, mind.' Fifty pound! The man drew a long breath. "'I'd do pretty nigh anything for fifty pound, let alone the way they've been and used me.' I've been having a cruel hard time, I have, cruel hard. Ireland took Cooper by the shoulder and shook him with the apparent intention of waking him up. All right, Mr. Ireland, all right, there ain't no call for you to go handling of me. I ain't doing nothing to you. I don't know the lady, and she don't know me, and I'm only a-trying to see if it's all right. You wouldn't do a poor bloke, miss, would you? That fifty'll be all right?' Mr. Ireland presented Cooper with a second application of the previous dose. "'That fifty'll be all right, or rather it'll be all wrong, if you keep me standing here much longer in the rain.' "'You are so hasty, Mr. Ireland, upon my word you are. I'm a-coming to it, ain't I? Now I'll tell you straight. Tom the Toff, he done the nicking, and the Baron, he put him up to it.' Miss Strong looked bewildered. "'Tom the Toff, the Baron?' "'Who are they?' The detective spoke. "'I know who they are, Miss Strong, and I may tell Mr. Cooper that I've had an eye on those two gentlemen already. What I want to know is where the diamonds are. They're worth more than the rogues who took them. Now, Bill, where are the shiners?' Cooper stretched out both his hands in front of him with a gesture which was possibly intended to impress Mr. Ireland with a conviction of his childlike candour. "'That's where it is, just exactly where it is. "'I don't know where the shiners are, and that's the truth. "'Yet more don't nobody else seem to know where the shiners are. "'That's what the row's about. "'Seems as how the shiners has hooked theirselves clean off, "'and ain't there ructions. "'So far as I can make out from what I've come across "'and put together, don't you know, "'it seems as how a cove as they calls Paxton. "'Paxton?' The name came simultaneously from Ireland and Miss Strong. "'I don't know as that's his name. That's only what I've heard him call him, don't you know. He's a rare fine toff, a regular out-and-outer, whatever his name is. It seems as how this here cove as they calls Paxton has been playing it off on the toff and the baron, and taken the whole blooming lot of sparklers for his own. So far as I can make out he has.' "'It's a lie!' This was, of course, Miss Strong.' The plain speaking did not seem to hurt Mr. Cooper's feelings. "'That I don't know nothing at all about. I'm only telling you what I know, and I do know that they've had a go at this here cove as they calls Paxton more than once, and more than twice, and that now they've got him fast enough.' Mr. Ireland twisted Cooper round so that the electric lamplight shone on his face. "'What do you mean they've got him fast enough?' "'I mean what I says, don't I?' They got hold of him this evening, and they've took him to a crib they got, and if he don't hand over them sparklers, they'll murder him as soon as look at him. Miss Strong turned to the detective with shining eyes. Mr. Ireland, save him! 
"'What shall we do?' "'Don't put yourself out, Miss Strong. "'This may turn out to be the best thing "'that could have happened to Mr. Paxton. "'Bill, where's this crib of theirs?' "'Cooper pushed his hat on to the side of his head. "'I don't know as how I could rightly describe it to you. "'Brighton ain't my home, you know. "'But I dare say I could show it to you if I was to try.' "'Then you shall try. "'Listen to me, Bill Cooper. "'If you take me to this crib of theirs, "'and if what you say is true, "'and you don't try to play any of those tricks of yours, "'I'll add something of my own to this lady's fifty, "'and it'll be the best stroke of business "'that you ever did in all your life.' Ireland called a cab. He allowed Daisy to enter first. Cooper got in after her. The police station driver, as fast as you can. Cooper immediately wanted to get out again. Where are you a-taking me to? I ain't going to no police station. Stay where you are, you idiot. So long as you act fairly with me, I'll act fairly with you. You don't suppose that this is a sort of job that I can tackle single-handed. I'm going to the station to get help. "'Now then, driver, move that horse of yours.' The cab moved off, leaving Miss Wentworth and Mr. Franklin to follow in another if they chose. End of chapter 13